The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place through the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father. Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Christ. Last week, 
we heard a parable with three characters, a vineyard owner, a gardener, and, a, and his fig tree. It was supposed to surprise us, to wake us up, to cause us to scratch our heads and ask, is this what Jesus was really trying to say? This morning is no different, but perhaps a little harder, because today we confront one of the most well-known and beloved parables found in our Holy Scriptures, the parable of the prodigal son. It's a parable of grace, a parable of forgiveness, a parable of joy. It's a parable of homecoming, where fathers hike up their robes and run down the block in order to wrap their arms around their children. We've seen it in pictures. Most of us have heard it or even taught it as a Sunday school lesson, which I must tell you makes this quite a parable to preach. I have heard more than a few sermons on it, and some preachers get caught up in trying to present this parable as something that's bright and shiny and new because many of us know it so well. It has been preached from every angle, from the older brother's perspective, from the younger brothers, from the father, from the other hired hands. One writer even suggested preaching it from the perspective of the fatted calf. And I really have no idea where that would go. <laughs> I'm not going to try and be that creative with you today. I'm going to tell you some stories. Because what I am most struck by in this parable is how it continues to live among us. So today we begin with some modern day parables. Several years ago, I was called to jury duty. I spent most of a Monday cramped up in a chair waiting to be called into a courtroom. It was tedious, and I was very bored. And then they called my panel. Along with many others, we filed through the criminal court building and into a courtroom. And that's where I saw the de defendant. He looked like a child, so young, in a suit that didn't fit very well. It was too big just like his crime. He was accused of murder with a deadly weapon. I made an audible gasp when the judge read the charges, which is also how you don't get on a jury, just so you know. <laughs> what happened to you, I thought? What happened that brought you here in a suit that is too big, accused of murdering someone? Don't you just want to go home? Do you feel so lost sitting there? Can you even imagine that someone might run down the road, hike up their skirts, and flat out run to envelope you in their arms? Then a colleague friend of mine called this week, shook up by something that had happened in his parish. It was the case of a young man only about our age who had suffered his whole life with depression and he found that he couldn't go on even one more day. So he left a note, but it was not just a note, it was a handwritten note stuck on his door to make sure that the hospital would know he, did not, he had a do not resuscitate order. What he couldn't understand in the midst of his pain was the love of those who would be left behind, his own father who would find him 
and hold his hand as he lay in a coma and beg him to open his eyes and come home. Perhaps there was no one there to help him come to himself, no one to remind him that there was one more place to go as he sat in the midst of the muck and the mire that was all he could see in this life. I think that is why this parable sticks with us. We can see ourselves and our neighbors in this text. So many of us know intimately that feeling of being lost, lost like one of these characters. We've been lost in giving everything that we have away, in being extravagant and lavish in our love and our trust, only to face disappointment when someone that we love squanders what we have given them in dissolute living. Or we have woken up one day only to find ourselves living among the pigs, so far gone that we don't know what happened to those grand lives we had planned, filled with shame that we are beyond help, beyond love, beyond repair. And so many of us have been standing outside the door, watching the feast and celebration and wondering if there really was a place for us or if the party would always be about someone else. We have seen joy somewhere off in the distance, but it felt like it was the wrong time, not right given the circumstances, not something we deserved. Coming into joy has also been lost to us. So what is supposed to surprise us about this parable? Perhaps that it lives among us even now. We know what it is like to see ourselves and each other lost in the midst of this world, and yet when we are quiet, we also so often know what it means to be found and captured by grace and mercy. Sometimes I, am, like you, am so utterly overwhelmed by how much has been lost in this world, how many people walk around like they are the living dead, wishing that someone would even offer them the pods that the pigs were eating in order to help them feel alive again. Sometimes we can be utterly overwhelmed by how often we are so sure that we have gotten where we are on our own, and the idea of helping someone else, of trying to offer a hand to someone in need, seems like it throws off the balance of the world or it's just unfair. But most of all, I, like you, can be utterly overwhelmed by a father that keeps running down the road, keeps on sharing his inheritance, keeps on giving us what it means for us to try all on our own, knowing full well that the deepest life is always at home, in relationship with him and with one another. When we open our eyes to see God's word living among us, it makes it hard to remember the beginning of this story. Because our text for today begins as an answer to a question. Jesus is welcoming and eating with some sinners, and so this gathered crowd of religious leaders begins to grumble. And he tells them three parables. One about a lost sheep, 
that the shepherd cares so deeply for, he's willing to leave all the other 99 in the pasture in order to find that one, because the 99 are incomplete when one is missing. And then he tells the parable of a lost coin, one woman's tiny coin when she's all, she already has nine others, a little coin that she will turn her entire household upside down to find. And finally, he tells this story, our parable for today, about three people, and I think more than just one brother who's lost. And I wonder if Jesus was among us now, if he would tell us other stories, perhaps a story about how someone here in our own city sits facing the possibility of conviction for murder, or perhaps the story of someone somewhere leaning over the bed of their son, wishing that he had one more chance to come home again. But it doesn't just end with this lostness in life, in our biblical parables or in the world around us. Because each one of these stories ends with celebration, a shepherd who rejoices when he finds his sheep, a woman who throws a party for all her neighbors when she shakes out the couch cushions and finds her coin. A father who kills the fatted calf and invites his hired hands and friends to celebrate because life has again come out of death. What was lost has been found. We don't know how this story ends. The best parables never tell us. We don't know if the older brother sits outside with a scowl on his face and envy in his heart. We don't know if the younger son becomes a different man because he has been wrapped in this lavish kind of love. I don't know what will happen to people who are on trial or a family who has lost a son. I don't know if they will be surprised that even where there is grief, even where there is shame, there's also the possibility to know laughter again. But I do know that our God is a God who searches diligently for us, who will find us no matter how far away we have gone, who will find us when we, even we believe that we are dead in order that we might have life. And we know that our God keeps throwing parties, keeps on running down that road even when we are far off, keeps on inviting us to the table because there is always room. There is always a place. There is always abundant grace and mercy to be shared. We had to celebrate and rejoice, he says, because the one who once was dead has found life. The one who once was lost has been found. Amen.